0: Welcome to the Winning Drive Podcast, where Parkland USA employees discover the tools, strategies, and resources to increase safety, productivity, and success. Here's your host, Ben Fanning.
1: Welcome to episode number three Spill Avoidance and Triage. And this is another energetic episode and interview with the Director of Operational Excellence, David Kearney. Something to keep in mind as you begin to listen to this episode that Parkland's core values are safety integrity, community, and respect. Spills are a threat to all these values. We have time-tested procedures for preventing spills, and they must be rigorously observed. Here are three key takeaways. Spills are 95% avoidable. Spills do far more damage than you realize. And for this reason, they are reported all the way up to the president of Parkland USA. And then number three, spill cleanups require supervisory authentication and approval. Enjoy the episode. Your safety is our top priority. Please ensure that you've completed your mandatory HSE training. And HSE stands for Health, Safety, and Environmental. It's critical information that keeps you and your coworkers safe. Our goal is 100% completion because it helps us know that our employees have the skills they need to work safely. Your manager has a list of those who still need to complete this training and will be getting with you if you need to finish it. Please complete this training as soon as possible and you can find it in the Parkland Learning Center under Parkland People. Hey David, last week we talked about professional drivers and boy, that was a heck of an episode and that professional drivers make professional deliveries Today, let's expand on that topic just a bit, and specifically, what is a professional delivery?
0: Hey, Ben. That's easy. A professional delivery is what Parkland CDL drivers do 99% of the time. As I mentioned last week, our clients have many options in this market. They can obtain products of similar quality from numerous sources. Mm -hmm. We win By virtue of professional service, Mm -hmm. Bob Espy speaks to this a lot. We build Mm -hmm. customer loyalty because our professional drivers are knowledgeable concerning the products that they deliver. They're well-groomed. It sounds corny, but their shirts are tucked in. Their uniforms are clean. Our professional drivers arrive on time with their paperwork in order, and they place the correct quantity and quality of product in the right locations. Our professional drivers are courteous and efficient. Some of our clients are prepared to pay more for our products because they're delivered by our professional drivers. Hmm. Many of our drivers develop such powerful relationships with our clients that customers ask for them by name and and increasingly offer them jobs. I don't want that. That's a
1: competitive advantage. Yeah, I mean it that's is. a competitive advantage for you guys in the marketplace. Where there are other, you know, there are a lot of other, other competitors out there, and you guys are really distinguishing yourselves this way. Yes, but you know, I think that with your permission, of course, I'd like to
0: hijack your suggested topic by shifting focus from a typical professional delivery to an unprofessional <laughs> delivery.
1: Oh yeah, let's hear about this. This could be
0: good. In, in fact, I'd I'd like to narrow it further and discuss what is, in my opinion the worst kind of unprofessional delivery, Mm -hmm. a spill. Mm -hmm. There's another kind of unprofessional delivery, one that we call crossover contamination. But that's such a big subject that I think that we can profitably give this entire period to spills alone and address Mm -hmm. crossovers some other time.
1: Yeah, let's go for it. (laughs)
0: Thanks to the Exxon Valdez, some of us are too young to remember, but more recently BP's offshore rig explosion in the Gulf, uh, numerous other incidents off the coast of California and Texas. Oil companies are today almost synonymous with oil spills, and this includes fuel oil, such as diesel, methanol, and gasoline. The visuals that we've all seen on TV of Sea otters, pelicans, and harbor seals covered in oil are, are heartrending. Past events, they've created a, a huge black eye for the energy industry, and, and we're crazy if we underestimate how much potential damage can follow even the smallest spills today. I can see that, yep. In the southeastern rock, virtually the entire area of operations is uh, an environmentally sensitive area. And there's an adage in media Related to (laughs) sensational reporting that if it bleeds, it leads. Oh, I've heard
1: that so many times. Yeah, of course, it
0: leads. Yeah, but if you think about it, blood is really just circulatory fluid. So I'd alter this adage and say, if it leaks, it leads. In Florida, that's certainly the case. People notice, you know, when the price of oil increases, the gasoline prices shoot up immediately. But when the price of oil goes down, it takes a long time for fuel prices to follow. For these. And other reasons, it doesn't take much prodding to infuriate citizens when oil and fuel companies make mistakes. So then we're back to square one, trying to prove ourselves responsible stewards of the community's trust. Uh, Speaking of community, Parkland's four fundamental values include community. I I know few companies who do more, who who strive to give back to the communities they serve um, than Parkland. This generates a significant amount of goodwill towards our brand, but one serious spill can eliminate years and years of goodwill. In the Marine Corps, we used to say, "One aw shit wipes out a thousand attaboys. boys."
1: <laughs> yeah, my dad was in the military, and he's used that a few times to <laughs> to, uh, to explain different things to me. Uh, but yeah, it's um, one can make a huge make a huge difference and wipe out all the goodwill and all the great work you do.
0: That's so, right.
1: Public reaction. So, so is public reaction. Is, is that why you consider a spill to be the worst kind of unprofessional delivery?
0: It sounds like that from what I just said, but no, that's just an explanation of why our brand is so seriously jeopardized by spills. To my way of thinking, spills are the worst kind of unprofessional delivery because they're almost always avoidable. Mm. It's not just that they cost us vast sums of money and damage. They usually occur due to inattention, distraction, complacency, or failure, failure to follow standard operating procedures. They do so much more damage than most people think. They damage our brand. They threaten the environment. They cost hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year in lost product, manpower, absorbent pads and gravel, fines, restitution, medical costs, and lost business. Yeah, sometimes spills occur due to equipment failure, but this represents such a tiny percentage of them. The spills that really get under my skin, pardon the pun, Are the ones that also cause injuries, most commonly to the eyes. Hmm. In fact, just last week, we suffered a spill when two drivers were working together on a marine delivery and they failed to properly communicate. One of the drivers noticed after shutting off the pump that a valve wasn't fully closed on a suction hose. It was capped on the other end, so he closed the valve and walked away. But due to back pressure, the length of hose between the capped end and the valve was now contained diesel and compressed air. It was like a loaded gun. The, the okay. other driver, he approached the capped end of the hose several minutes later and uncapped it without wearing safety goggles. Seven gallons of diesel, like a cannon, shot out of the pressurized hose into his face. Oh, that, that sounds terrible. An entirely avoidable terrible. Every regional operations center within Parkland, USA suffers at least one spill every week. And oh. I know intellectually that there's even more small ones that I don't hear about. But I do read every spill report, and it's remarkable how many times we make the same mistakes over and over again.
1: So, what's the most common kind of spill? The most common type of spill
0: is an overfill event, but Before I continue, allow me to clarify something. Overfill is confusing for people. There's two types of overfills. I'm referring to when we fill a tank so far beyond its maximum fill point that fuel spills outside the tank, hopefully in containment, but that's not always the case, especially when we're dealing with double-wall tanks that are out in the field. This is most commonly traced to an incorrect understanding of the tank's ullage. Oledge. So what, is, what exactly is ullage Sorry. ullage is really nothing more than the amount of space available to fill inside a tank, measured in gallons usually. Mm-hmm. If, if we were filling glass tanks, this wouldn't be such a problem. Some tanks in the field have mechanical meters that we call a clock gauge uh, on top. Mm-hmm. They're famous for displaying incorrect readings and for sticking due to internal corrosion mm-hmm. uh, or a bad float. If I had my way, we would remove clock gauges from every tank in the world. They are reminiscent of Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. (laughs) Procedurally, our drivers aren't supposed to trust them. They're Hmm. supposed to place a stick in the tank that has increments um, printed on it and compare the number of inches measured on the stick to a strapping chart on the side of the tank. Hmm. I'd like to have a quarter for every time a driver has told me that The clock gauge was always accurate before. I shouldn't shouldn't have to say this, but there's no safe way. If there's no safe way to climb to the top of a tank while maintaining three points of contact in order to confirm ullage to stick the tank, then we don't do it. Hmm. Call a dispatcher, take a photograph or transportation manager and obtain guidance. Don't attempt to gain access to the top of a tank by climbing on a fence. Standing on a pile of tires or, or jumping from an adjacent tank. In the last 12 months, our drivers have attempted all three of these acts, and each one of them resulted in an injury. I wonder hmm. how many times these things are done without an injury. I never find out about them. The bind wow. moggles. Hmm. I don't want to bore you with all the many ways that oil and fuel can be spilled. And besides, our drivers already know. We've got procedures to prevent equipment failures, such as leaks from connections and automatic shutoff nozzles that aren't very automatic sometimes. Immediate action procedures aren't very immediate if drivers are sitting in their cabs because it's cold outside or raining or filling out paperwork or distractedly talking to people at the delivery site or eating lunch while product is being delivered. Depending upon the type of delivery and and numerous other factors, such as an overwater delivery, spill response procedures vary and they're locally governed, but generally they flow in this order that some people call P2C3. Prevent further injury, prevent further damage, contain the spill, communicate, in other words, get help and clean up. When communicating, Uh. It's really important to be accurate about the magnitude of the spill because we have to send a cleanup crew and and sufficient equipment and consumables like the kitty litter and absorbent pads I talked about earlier to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Too frequently, a driver will try to minimize the amount of the spill, make it sound less bad. and, And then we have to go back and get more people and stuff. But to be fair to the drivers, it's often very hard to estimate the magnitude of a spill. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's over a wet surface, it spreads out so quickly. But that's not the only problem with misreporting. Um, All states are different, but in the state of Florida, for instance, if you have a spill exceeding 25 gallons and a formal incident report isn't conveyed to the Florida Department of Environmental Protection within 24 hours, you're subject to a $10,000 fine as well as other damages Mm -hmm. the state will decide on later. Afterward, wow. you can expect to be inspected by a pollution control agency with frequency, which takes even more time. But as I mentioned before, the greatest potential damage is to our clients. It can take years for groundwater contamination to rear its ugly head, especially with benzene, which comes from gas- yeah. gasoline. And let me be clear, it's an incredibly ugly head. Um, yeah. The magnitude of claims and fines associated uh, with these depends a great deal upon us following all the proper procedures and documenting our remediation efforts. We, we have to appear um, as well as do the right thing. Nothing is easier in the whole world than convincing a jury that an oil company is bad. Spill reports also help us to improve our training, our procedures, and equipment. Perhaps you know, we David, need to-
1: David just, just two things come to mind. Number one, uh, before you get too far from it, I thought an interesting point you made was P2C3. Yes. And I thought that was interesting uh, because the two Ps are prevent further injury, prevent further damage. And then the three Cs contain the spill, communicate, and clean up. I think that's a really great way to remember that uh, for the drivers, uh, you know, just to have that in the back of their mind or even write it down on a notepad so they have it. know, where they can refer back to it. And then I thought, when you mentioned the Florida uh, regulation, it it brought to mind, you know, the importance of contacting and reporting, like you said earlier, to the dispatcher. Because, I mean, I don't know, I I guess most of the drivers may know a lot of the regulations by state, but they can differ by state. And so it's great to have an advocate for you, like a dispatcher that can help you in the moment. That's so true. And in fact, clients can be extremely upset by
0: spills and and for very good reasons. Dispatchers or the transportation managers or even higher up um, need to explain to them that we'll make everything right. And the sooner we do this, the less likely we are to have far greater problems down the road.
1: Thanks. So
0: then I encounter another problem who decides uh, if a spill cleanup is complete? Hmm. I have oh, I have been kicked in the teeth so many times when one of our drivers has cleaned up a spill site to the satisfaction of a local low-level function area, some, some flunky who says, well, that's good enough, Bob. I think it looks fine. And then hmm. I don't know, 12 hours later, we get a call from a senior executive in a position of authority within that company. And they're jumping up and down um, saying that we did a hit and run and 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 hmm. suggesting that we don't understand how serious spills are, um, and, but we do. And so this is why after our drivers conduct a spill report, we have to follow up at a higher level. Um, Unhappy customers are the best possible way to solidify a long-term business relationship. So it's it's not good enough to get an employee's agreement that the spill has been properly cleaned up. Um, we, we have to see after the triage the cleanup not only for today's satisfaction or next week's satisfaction but for years to come when we're talking about groundwater and the um the appearance of a client's site because they are getting visitors too and uh these atmospherics are critically important
1: Parkland USA is looking for other great drivers just like you, and we are paying you for it. We have an employee referral program that pays drivers for any leads that become drivers for us. Have a friend or family member with a CDL license who'd like to come work for Parkland? Please pass their name and contact information to your dispatcher and people in culture manager. If they get hired, you get paid up to a few thousand dollars depending on the area of the country.
0: You are listening to the Winning Drive podcast. Now back to the show with your host Ben
1: Fanning. Is there a particular type of spill that keeps you up at night? Well, there didn't used to be, but in recent years we have
0: started using high-speed pumps and, and I should talk about that for a second because yeah,
1: yeah, what is so special about a high-speed pump? I'm not yeah. as familiar with this. Yeah,
0: well, what's so special about them? This is especially associated with marine deliveries when cargo ships and cruise ships and ferries even um, are dockside. There, there's almost like a meter, a parking meter ticking that. They have to pay for the time that they are there. And so they need to be uh, as efficient as possible. Uh-huh. But there's a lot going on, especially with cruise ships. You have flowers coming on and food and bottles of wine, luggage coming off. You have sludge and coming on, you have other items that that have to be there for this massive floating hotel. And it's very dangerous. There are cranes operating and forklifts, and our drivers are dockside. Um, trying to keep things from falling on them. It's really a chaos ballet. So in order to minimize exposure and to tempt business away from bunkering operations by ship, um, many cruise ships, for instance, will take their fuel um, lubes from other ships so that they free up the space for for other things to happen, dockside, et cetera. They want to minimize the amount of time that they're parked there. Hmm. And so we have developed a system to triple the speed of fuel delivery to cruise ships. Hmm. And how fast... As they say, they,
1: time is money,
0: huh? Exactly right. And uh, we're dealing with the chief engineers and their people that are also highly paid. And so it reduces other costs associated with the delivery as well. Hmm. But some of these deliveries are taking 15, 16, 18, 7,500-gallon transports of diesel. And so we've developed a system to hook up several trucks at once and using high pressure, and it depends upon the the pressure that the ship itself can take, and all of them are different. But basically think of it as three times the normal speed. Uh, We're pushing dyed diesel off-road diesel into these ships because there's much more pressure i have to increase the frequency with which we do pressure testing of the associated hoses i have to make sure that the cam locks aren't being damaged by being dragged down the pier we have to take a very close look at all of the connections normally we put five gallon um pans underneath each of the connections we can't afford to have a high-speed pump begin leaking um next to a waterway um even if it's properly boomed these are environmentally sensitive areas and uh one aw wipes out a thousand attaboys and so that is the type of spill that um keeps me awake at night and for that reason we very carefully train our PICs, the person in charge of that high-speed pump. It requires an incredible amount of attention to detail, the ability to hit that emergency fuel shutoff valve immediately if anything anomalous happens. Happily, it never does or very,
1: very rarely does, but we can't afford even once. Wow. Yeah, given the severity of these things, of these spills and and, and high Yeah, these high-speed pumps, they can do a lot of damage quickly. They can do a lot of good quickly, but also a lot of damage quickly. When Uh, I was a kid...
0: We jet. had, there was a toy called a water wiggle. Um, it was really nothing <laughs> water more. A water wiggle. I uh-huh. uh, had a, like a, a plastic cup that was orange. and had a face painted on it, but it was really nothing more than a, a rubber extension for a garden hose that narrowed the aperture of the water's outflow to create a jet that caused the toy to fly around the backyard and spray uh-huh. everybody. Um, nobody
1: wants to see a three inch diesel hose do a water wiggle on a pier. No. We'll, we'll give them a the severity of these spills that we're talking about right now, Dave. You must do training and exercises to prevent and mitigate them. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we do many
0: exercises, not just internal, but we're also required to do government exercises. In fact, um, they're expensive. Uh, they can come from the DOT, but more frequently, they come from the Department of Homeland Security in the guise of the Coast Guard. And, and I should talk about how they play out. Our drivers need to know how important they are. The government initiated unannounced exercise. I don't know why they call it gooey, but there it is mm-hmm. um, happens with the coast guard arriving at a location where one of our drivers is fueling a ship, a barge, a yacht, um, any near water delivery. Then they tell him at the conclusion of his delivery so that they don't interfere too much with our work. They ask him first of all what's the size of his largest compartment aboard the transport and he tells them and they say okay that amount of diesel just spilled into the waterway begin your triage and the clock starts ticking at that point well fortunately we have an operations manual coast guard operations manual in all of our trucks and he goes through all of his procedures in order, but one of the first is to call dispatch. The reason why that's important is that dispatch, in turn, has to call another agency, uh, one that we contract um, for uh, local service. They have to be able to respond within an hour of the call, and so um, they're 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 called ISRO, but they're a spill response organization, and. They come out and they have to be there within 60 minutes of hmm. their getting a call. So, our driver has to complete all of his procedures and notification to the company with the immediate action, the absorbent pads, and the boom in the water, and mm-hmm. um, all of the other uh, things that must be done immediately. But then, an Osro um, oil spill uh, response organization comes and backs them up with far more. Um, um, powerful remediation efforts to to vacuum up the, the product and to minimize the effects of this type of a spill. But when they do that, the Osro the actually puts boom in the water. The Coast Guard requires them to. And so they use all of their expendables. And the bill for these exercises in, are in, is in excess of $10,000. So it's not cheap. We're also required to do annual and... Um, spill response training with all of our drivers. And and we do it more frequently than that, because as I mentioned before, we can get an incredible black eye, environmental damage, groundwater contamination. We have to get tractors in to dig up all the soil and take it to a
1: site to have that
0: burned. Um, And of course, I mentioned earlier the potential damage to wildlife.
1: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I, I like what you said. Hey, call dispatch. I mean that's that's the first step in so many of these spill related things but on the subject of spills Dave as we begin to wrap up here what would you like to what would you like the listeners to leave with well since our listeners are primarily truck drivers I'd like to underline
0: first and foremost that honest people make mistakes, but nothing is worse than covering them up a mistake. And this is especially the case with spills. Mm-hmm. The cover-up is always worse than the accident itself. Parkland's core values are safety, integrity, community, and respect. Spills threaten all four of these values, but familiarity breeds contempt. Whenever I notice oil or fuel drips and spots on the pavement at one of our companies, I make sure that it's cleaned up right away. Leaks, drips, and spills, they're not the price of doing business, no matter what anybody says. They're evidence of professional malfeasance. Hmm. Too many employees are accustomed to seeing oil spots and fuel spots on the pavement around a tank farm or a loading rack or even inside containment areas. We clean them too. When clients inspectors, and other visitors come to our facilities. They should never see evidence of small spills. If Mm -hmm. they do, it fairly screams that we're poor stewards of the environment, that we lack discipline, that we're probably not the kind of partners that they want to do business with. In a driver's meeting, I don't know, about 10 years ago, a driver observed out loud that in regard to spills, there are those who have and those who will. I absolutely mm. reject that kind of defeatism. When when I was commanding officer of a Harrier squadron, I had an infantry sergeant major. He was big as a mountain. He was six foot, six inches tall and probably that wide. And, and he was the best sergeant major in the world. He used to say that anytime a professional walks by a condition that doesn't meet standards and he or she doesn't correct it, that becomes the new standard. So I can't overstate this enough. Spills shall never be an acceptable standard at Parkland, USA. And so I would say to my drivers, on your next stop, remember what I'm talking about. Remember the standards that we're living up to. If you get out of the truck before you get back in, do a 360 walk. That's a standard that's above and beyond what other companies do, but it's what makes us desirable in our field.
1: Oh, fantastic takeaway, Dave. I love that concrete step. So everyone listening, you know what to do on your next stop here. So three key takeaways, spills are 95% avoidable. Spills do far more damage than you realize. And for this reason, they are reported or should be reported all the way up to the president. Of
0: they are. He hears USA. about everyone.
1: Super <laughs> important. And then don't forget, spill cleanups require supervisory authentication and approval with dispatch. Dave, Final thought on this. Parkland's
0: core values as I mentioned a few seconds ago are safety, integrity, community and respect. And we have time-tested procedures for preventing spills. These have got to be rigorously observed. That's what professionals do.
1: All right. So stay tuned everyone and and Dave by the way, Dave covered a lot in this episode. Feel free to rewind this episode proverbially go back and listen to any parts you missed we've got another one coming at you next week your health matters sitting all day isn't great for our health and incorporating physical activity into your day helps counteract that our motion program is open to all employees and literally pays you to walk you earn free money by walking a certain number of steps per day This money is applied to your HSA bank account and can be used directly to pay for any doctor's visits, prescriptions, or anything else you'd use your health insurance for. The maximum amount of money you can earn over the year is $1,100. Many of our employees have lost significant weight, gotten healthier, and even slept better since they joined Motion. Reach out to your dispatcher and people and culture manager for information on how to get started. It's that easy.
0: Thanks for listening to the Winning Drive podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode soon.